970 WMAY. Chris Murphy's here. Jim Leach as well. Full disclosure here, as we do every Wednesday on the Ray Lytle Morning Show. Chris, do we have David on the line with us? We certainly do. Excellent. David Greising, President and CEO of the Better Government Association, here with us. David, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Chris. How's, good morning, uh, David. How, how's life in quarantine, David? <laughs> well, I'm saving about a, an hour commute each way and working, adding a couple of hours on top of that to... Uh, to my work day just uh, seems like there's a lot more to do these days doing everything remotely. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today, and virtually all of it relates to the coronavirus pandemic and the response to it. But we want to start with something that really taps into the, uh, the the mission and the objectives of the Better Government Association, which is to make sure the government is operating efficiently, openly, transparently, that we know what's going on. And it seems that at least some units of government are using the pandemic as an excuse to say, Eh, we don't really want to do what we're supposed to be doing under the uh, open records laws of the state. We don't really want to uh, give over information. Uh, they're saying is, in effect, we can't do it right now. But the law is still the law, David. So how do we sift through this and make sure the government is being open and transparent at a time when their actions are having such a, a monumental effect on all of us? Well, the group that is at the source of this complaint is a group called the Illinois Municipal League, and it's the group of uh, smaller cities across the the state. And they have been against open records in some ways for for many years. Uh, They always complain that they don't have the adequate staff in order to respond by the state-mandated deadlines. Once any member of the public, including the press, submits an open records request, uh, a government body has five days to respond. They can easily get a five-day extension from that. And after that, they have to work with the requester if they need more time. what, these, what the Municipal League is saying is that with government working remotely as they are, they don't have employees at City Hall or whatever government agency. Um, they, don't, they aren't able to track down the records that people are looking for, et cetera. That may all well be, be well and good, but that doesn't mean that you then basically ignore all open records requests. You you work on a case-by-case basis. If nobody can go into City Hall because it's locked down, well, that's a real issue, and you can figure out a workaround. But they are urging that, um, this, that the um, emergency order basically say nobody in the state, uh, in the government agency, needs to respond to an open records request. At what greater time in our lives has the impact of government on our lives been more evident? Uh, people are dying, and in, in some cases, this is because of government mismanagement. In other cases, government is doing very well. But the public and the press have no way of knowing how government is doing if they can't get access to records of government performance. It's a little bit ironic in as much as we have probably seen more direct communication from the upper reaches of government. The governor, for example, with these daily briefings, uh, and he's being beamed around the state on it, and we see this each and every day. But at the same time, yes, sometimes getting information from our government agencies about what they're doing. Doing, how they're doing it, how they have handled this pandemic up until this point, and the steps they're taking going forward, that can be significantly more difficult to uh, to pry loose. So, David, how do we balance this? Uh, yeah, as you 
noted, there are laws that govern this. They put pretty strict time limits on it. And to the best of my knowledge, those laws don't necessarily uh, have a, a built-in uh, out clause if we have a pandemic going on. But as you noted, there are sometimes very real and practical logistical problems right now that didn't exist a couple of months ago. There, there are. And I think people, you know, a lot of this applies to the press and the press uh, despite our reputation, uh, the press can be reasonable in circumstances like this. If, if if a government agency has legitimate concern, they the they can work it out with the with the press in question, the reporter in question. And of course, there are always court. Uh, you know, you can always go to court uh, to sue for your right for information. And if if the demands being made are unreasonable, then a court can decide that. Uh, the municipal league has. Uh, asked Kwame Riol, the attorney general of the state, basically to endorse their position on this. And he has stated at this point that he does not believe he has the power to basically overwrite uh, this this state law on on Freedom of Information Act. And so uh, this is going to be a, a political issue. Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago has endorsed this move, which is highly disappointing for a mayor who ran on transparency as a big part of who she was. Governor Pritzker has not yet weighed in on the on the question, and it will be interesting to see if he does weigh in, because he, too, has been somebody who's talked a lot about accountability and transparency in government. Yeah, I thought the statement from Attorney General Raul was kind of interesting in as much as he said, yeah, it's not really within my power to just unilaterally rewrite state law, but then said, but I, I want to work with these units of local government to find some way to, uh, to, to help them out here, suggesting he might be a little bit lenient or flexible on on some of these limits here uh and, and so uh, you know we we are still left in a situation where for reporters and even for the public at large uh we may find this a, a lot of this information in a black hole for a while uh if uh governments continue to use this situation to just simply say we just can't comply with open records laws at, at this point we're going to keep watching this very carefully i know the bga will as well it's full disclosure with the better government association david grice president and CEO here with us. Uh, and David, we are getting more information now about how coronavirus is impacting the state down to the zip code. Uh, and at least some parts of the state are also seeing uh, racial demographic data showing that the pandemic seems to be hitting certain groups harder than others. Well, it, it really is something. And, and Jim, this speaks directly to the question of government information and our access and need to have government information. We would not have this data if it weren't for the fact that government collected and publishes this information. And here it is. Statewide, the African-American population is about 15 percent of the state of Illinois. The number of COVID deaths, 41 uh, percent uh, are African-Americans. So in other words, they're disproportionately about three times their population base. Uh, white uh, Caucasians are 77% of the state population. They account for only 39% of deaths, S a significant number, I shouldn't say only, but that's about half of their proportionate population percentage. And it shows you uh, several things. One is this is partly a poverty indicator. Uh, people in poorer communities are less equipped to fight uh, to fight uh, the, the virus. It also indicates public health. It shows you that African-Americans, in part because of their economic status, uh, but for other reasons as well, 
are um, at, at are more vulnerable to health emergencies. It's a really significant concern statewide, um, and it's a, it's especially a concern in the city of Chicago. Uh, where there is such a huge concentration of African-American residents. It should be noted that there are some gaps in our knowledge about this. Here in Sangamon County, for example, our public health department tells us they they don't track this. They have not collected uh, demographic racial information on uh, coronavirus cases. We've got 31 total confirmed cases in the county, but they just simply do not know the racial breakdown. So we don't know if those numbers are holding out here as well. Uh, all we have is some zip code data uh, showing clusters of cases in uh, one uh, more low-income area in the northern uh, part of town, but then one that's a little bit more upscale to the south and west of Springfield. So not a lot we can extrapolate from that data and a lot of gaps in our knowledge on it, which is where, again, being able to find this information, having government compile it and then be transparent in disseminating it is going to be so very important. And David, one thing we know is that government at every level is going to see a huge problems resulting uh, from this pandemic, as will the private sector and each and every one of us. Uh, but for the state of Illinois, the, the problems are particularly significant because we were already on shaky ground with our finances, already still with uh, huge uh, concerns about our pension liability, our huge backlog of bills. Those problems are only going to get worse. And now the credit rating agencies are taking notice of that as well, which means a bad situation could turn into a calamity pretty quickly here. Yes, it really could. Uh, the state of Illinois uh, was put on notice by one of the big rating agencies, Standard & Poor's, just a few days ago, that its uh, credit outlook is considered right now negative. That's the sort of thing that happens before a downgrade. It doesn't necessarily mean that a downgrade is going to occur. It just means that uh, S&P and Moody's and the other rating agencies are keeping a close eye on Illinois. If Illinois were downgraded, the Illinois debt would, be, would go down into what is considered junk status, meaning that bond buyers, uh, only those who are really speculative investors, would be willing to buy Illinois bonds. That has the effect of raising the cost of borrowing which costs each and every one of us when that happens. And it is also just a blot at, on Illinois, would be a blot on Illinois rec, Illinois's record if it happens. Uh, here's the problem, Jim. Uh, last time that we had a deep recession after the 2008 financial disaster, for the over that two-year period from 2008 through 2010, uh, state tax revenues went down by about 9%. Uh, that's about $4.5 billion in lost revenue. Right now, by the rough estimates that some economists, economists are making, we could be looking at a 20% decline in state revenues over the next couple of years. And that would mean around $8 billion, more than double or nearly double the amount that was lost due to the Great Recession. So this is a real problem the state is looking at, and there's no clear solution in sight. And, of course, the ripple effects would be felt all throughout state government, as you noted, borrowing costs. We're trying to get a big infrastructure uh, plan off the ground, uh, and uh, everything about it then becomes more difficult, more expensive. Uh, the pension liability continues to grow, and with the crash of the markets uh, in recent weeks, uh, the return on investment for those pension funds is shrinking, putting even more burden on it. Just about everywhere you look, uh, you, you see a bleak picture here. And, and David, may, maybe you've got better eyesight than I do. Are there any positive signs coming out of this anywhere that we can uh, sort of cling to at this point? Um, 
I'm not seeing a lot of them, to be honest with you, Jim. It, it you know, the the question really is just how deep will the hole be, and what will the governor and the state legislature do when they're when they're on the precipice of this? Um, the you mentioned the infrastructure program, the $45 billion infrastructure program. If the economy is to bounce back in Illinois, one of the ways that that can happen is through spending on on these infrastructure projects, many of which are already sort of on the books, being planned, et cetera. Most of them have not yet been started. But if the, if, if the state just doesn't have money to launch, those are jobs that will not be created. And so you could get into a really uh, deep cycle of uh, lost opportunity, um, lost ability to create new jobs, which then brings in new revenue. So right now, the governor's staff is working on trying to at least assess this. Same thing up in Chicago, where the mayor's staff is also trying to assess this. They have no way at right now to counteract. The main thing they're trying to do is just figure out how, what what are the projections? How bad is this going to be? And then figure out how to deal with it. And of course, right now we don't even know when lawmakers can get back to Springfield to even tackle the the budget. The budget the Governor Pritzker offered back in February, we now know uh, there will be nothing resembling that in the in the final product here. But now it's a question of what sorts of revenues do we think we will have? What are the most urgent priorities? How do we help businesses bounce back from all of this? And uh, we can't even really begin to tackle any of those things until lawmakers can safely reconvene in Springfield, and we have no idea when that'll be. No, we don't. And the question is, we expect them to com- uh, to convene in person. Uh, some governments in the state are starting to go to virtual meetings. Uh, it appears that the legislature probably cannot do that. And so they're expected to come back if when they do come back for a very abbreviated session focused on mainly on emergency measures arising from covid uh, we hope that they will pass a budget. We've seen what happens in the state of Illinois when a budget is not passed under uh, Governor Bruce Rauner. We went you know, a year and a half or more with no budget, and that has led to the ballooning that the, the unpaid bills in the state uh, nearly tripled uh, during that time period. And so uh, we're right now at a point where we already have a bill backlog of almost $7.5 billion and rising. And so if the government, without a budget uh, spending, uh, you know, pay, bills are not paid, and that number would again go up and, and become really a problem. So, David, un- and do- unfortunately, we're out of time here, but uh, you can learn more by going to the BGA website, bettergov.org. And we'll be back with David Greising next Wednesday morning here. Full disclosure here on the Ray Lytle Morning Show on WMAY. Thanks, David.